What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UJ Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today, after taking the day off in the midweek show, is my regular co-host, Curtis. Glad to have you back, man. And today, obviously, we are going to be previewing the matchup this Saturday against the Kentucky Wildcats, a 7-3 and Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, but first, before we get to that, just a couple quick reminders for you guys. You can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UJ. Love to hear your thoughts on what's going on this season. Uh, if email is a little easier for you, you can email us, and that address is gloryujpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and also, just want to let some of our newer listeners out there know that you can find us on a bunch of different podcasting platforms out there. Try to make the show as easy as possible for you guys to find and access, make it seamless for you guys. So you can find us on some of the bigger platforms, the uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn apps. You can also find us on dogsportsradio.com. You can also download the Dog Sports Radio app to your phone straight from your app store. So hopefully one of those works for you guys. All right, Kurt, let's go ahead and get into today's show and not waste any more time. Kurt, the first thing that I'm going to do here, man, it's a little different. I want to start off with a blind resume exercise. You see these a lot with college basketball bubble teams as the NCAA tournament approaches, but I'm going to apply it to college football today just for a quick second. So, Kurt, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you four resumes, and I want you to tell me which team you think is Kentucky. Okay? So I'm going to run through these real quick. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so Team A here, uh, total offense, Team A, they are ranked 72nd nationally in total offense, 44th nationally in total defense, and are plus 242 on the year in their total yardage differential. That's Team A. So 72nd total O, 44 total D. Then we've got Team B here. Team B is 39th in total offense, 21st total defense, and they are plus 1,062 yards on the year with their yardage differential. Team C is... 56th in total offense, 31st in total defense, and they're plus 881 yards on the year. And then Team D is 100th nationally in total offense, 75th in total defense, and is minus 432 on the year with their total yardage differential. So, Kurt, of those four teams, A, B, C, or D, which one would you guess is Kentucky? Um, I probably, I think it's either A or B, but I'll just go with B. B? You would think so, right? Because B had the best numbers. They're 39th national in total offense, 21st nationally. Oh, wait, actually A. Make that A. Okay, you go A. So you're saying yeah, think- 72 nationally in total offense, 44th in total defense, plus 242 on the year. Well, believe yeah. it or not, Kurt, I'm going to go ahead and reveal these teams for you. Team A is Purdue. 4-6 and six overall, 2-5 and five in the Big Ten, 72nd overall in total offense, 44th in total defense, plus 242 on the year. So not A. Team B, your other guess is actually Southern Mississippi. Southern Miss is 6-4 on the year, respectable. 39th in total offense, 21st in total defense, plus 1,062 yards on the year. Team C, uh, which is 56th nationally in total offense, 31st in total defense, plus 881 yards on the year, is Utah, the Fighting Utes out in the Pac-12. 5-5 five five on the year, 2-5 overall. Or I'm sorry, 5-5 five five overall, 2-5 in the Pac-12. And then that leaves us with Team D, which is, that you guessed it, the Kentucky Wildcats, who are 7-3 and three on the year. But if you look at these numbers, 100th in total offense, 75th in total defense, minus 432 yards overall. So I guess the point of this exercise, Kerr, is to kind of show everyone out there that, yes, Kentucky's record says they're 7-3, and three, but are they really a 7-3 and three caliber team? No, not at all. 
I mean, honestly, right now they'd probably be worse if they hadn't lucked up and played Missouri when they did. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a team that struggled against, I think it was Eastern Kentucky. East, uh, they, Eastern, yeah, Eastern Kentucky, Eastern Michigan, and so, they played Southern Miss and struggled with Southern Miss. All three of those games they struggled in. And so, I mean, it, the, to me, it's, I always kind of connected to uh, the last year, I think I want to say 2015, when we were 9-3, and three, but it was a very uninspiring 9-3. Yeah, we had a 9-3 regular season finish in Mark Rick's final year, but it's like, whoa, were you really a 9-win team? That's a yeah, great, I mean, that's a great to, comparison. That's when you had to go to overtime to be Southern, you're just like, you know, well, yeah, we won, but we should probably be more upset than happy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, kind of a similar situation for Kentucky this year. You mentioned they played Eastern Kentucky and Eastern Michigan this year. So against three lower-level teams, Southern Miss, who's a pretty solid team this year, but they're, I mean, they're Southern Miss. And then you've got Eastern Michigan and Eastern Kentucky. Those three teams that Kentucky's played this year, three lower-level teams, they beat them by a combined 20 points and only outgained those three teams by a combined 77 total yards. This is not a good football team. Yes, their record says 7-3, and three, but they've only played one ranked team on the year. That was Mississippi State a couple weeks ago. And, Kurt, you saw that game, right? They got, yeah, I think so. Yeah, they got blown out. 40, the one Against the one ranked team they faced this year, Kentucky got beat 45-7. to seven. This is oh, yeah. not a good football team, okay? That's, no, that was I the mean, point of this exercise. they're really bad. I mean, they struggled to beat a ter- terrible Tennessee team. I mean, they had to score yeah. in the last minute to win that game. Yeah, uh, Missouri, Missouri, before they were clicking, they were having to hold on to it in the last minute. And then Florida, we all know. So, I mean, they're not a very good team. Not at all. They haven't beaten anyone that's worth anything. I mean, they, they really no, have not. Not at all. And, it's, and so, I mean... This, yes, I know some people look at the record and say, God, they're 7-3, and three, so the CBS game of the week, so I mean, they, Kentucky must be pretty good. We better watch out. No, no, Kentucky's there's not good. There's no one else to put there. Yeah, I mean, they're 7-3, and three. okay, I mean, your record, I guess you, I guess your old Denny Green would say they are what you say they are, but they're really not. I mean, that's why I want to do this exercise to show you, like, Purdue, 4-6, and six, has better stats across the board than Kentucky does. Southern Miss, 6-4, and four, playing in Conference USA, has better stats well I mean, they have a significantly better stats in Kentucky. I know Kentucky beat them head up, but that was actually a pretty tight game. Utah, a 500 team in the Pac-12, has significantly better stats than Kentucky does. So, yep, 7-3, but uh, that might not tell the whole story. Kind of misleading there. But let's get into uh, the offense that Kentucky's going to put on the field here in Athens on Saturday. Kurt, when you look at this Kentucky offense, what should we be looking out for? Um, I mean, it's just two players, and you just really got to focus on Benny Snell. I mean, he's your, you know, the A, the number one guy you really got to focus on. If you shut him down, I mean, that's their whole offense. And number two, you got just uh, Jerry Williams. I mean, he's he's good. I mean, he can sneak up on you, but at the same time, I mean, he's not a game changer. Yeah, they, I mean, look, these guys, at, at Jerry Williams, he's not there yet. Talking about Stephen oh, Johnson. No, sorry, my bad. Yeah, it's all yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 I was thinking like Jaron Williams. That's all. It's all good. He's committed to Kentucky. He'll be there next year. He'll be. He'll be their guy moving forward. But right now, it's Stephen Johnson, right? Yeah, my bad. Stephen Johnson. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Which is, I mean, similar type players, right? Dual threat type guys. Yeah, same thing. I mean, he's one of these that he's dual threat. I mean, he'll move the chains and continue drives. But he's not one that's gonna kill you with his feet at the same time. And he's not gonna kill you with his arm. He's just adequate, really. Yeah, he's just kind of there. Is the way I would describe. Him. I mean, that's a good way to say it. I mean, he's just adequate. He's just there. Benny Snell, you're right. You highlighted the the, the centerpiece of their offense there. He's a, he's a bigger back, about 225, 230 pounds. At least that's the way he's listed. He looks bigger than that, but he's listed at that kind of at that weight right now. But they want to run the football, right? Yeah, I mean, they're just really right now, they 
want to run a physical in your face type of football. I mean, they didn't want to run what we want to run more or less. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I have here in my notes. I mean, we talked last week about how playing Auburn was kind of a mirror of playing ourselves because they similar. There's a lot of similarities philosophically, offensively, what they want to do. They want to. They really. I know it looks a little different formationally, but they want to pound the football at you with a power running game and then hit play action off of that. And that's very similar to what Kentucky wants to do as well. They don't look exactly like us formationally, but. The core philosophy offensively is very similar. They want to run the football with a strong power running game, establish that, grind the clock, run some clock, and then occasionally hit you over the top to keep you honest with a play-action game down the field. And they got a couple of receivers that can do that. But they do run the ball the majority of the time. They're, they're 50, right in between like 59 and 60% run on the year, and they want that to be their identity. But like, it, here's the thing, dude. Like, I know Benny Snell is a pretty good – he's a good back, but although they want the run game to be their identity – I don't think they're particularly good at it. Do you? Um, not really. I mean, the big not as good as last year. I think last year was more the fact that they yeah. were just wear teams down because they had a, a a real good two headed monster with him and Stanley. Uh, yeah, Boom Williams. Boom. Oh, Boom uh, Williams. Yeah. But this year, I mean, especially this year, I mean, I guess te- last year they caught teams at the right time. I mean, some of these teams weren't as prepared to play them. Um, and you know, they just don't have the offensive line to do it. And I honestly think, I mean, while um. The running backs had a good year this year. It's not anything compared to what Snell did last year. No, and that's actually been the conversation in Kentucky a little bit. As always. Snell's been good. He's been solid. But he hasn't really built off a very strong freshman season. We kind of jumped onto the scene there. People were expecting huge things out of him this year. And he's been solid. He's over 1,000 yards rushing. He's third in the conference right now. He's also got 15 touchdowns. But he hasn't really broken out like people expected him to. He had, and he's, he's had some good games. He had a really good game in Savannah, but last week rushed for over 120 yards. But... There's been games where he just almost almost a no show. It was well held well under a hundred yards, and he's getting a significant number of carries game in and game out. But going back and looking at their numbers here, so they, like I said, they want the run game to be their identity, but they, I don't think they're that good at. It. The numbers kind of back that up right now. And the S and P rushing numbers offensively on the year, they're 83rd nationally. Um, if you look at yards per rush, they're eighth in the conference, 61st, 61st nationally, four point three yards per rush. Power success rate, so this is on third and fourth down with two or less yards to go. How often are you converting? They're only 64th nationally. And that kind of speaks to what you said about the offensive line. The offensive line is just not quite there. So they, they kind of remind me in a way of us last year, right? Like we That's want, exactly what I was about yeah. to say. I mean, they mirror, they mirror us last year where we were wanting to run the big power in your face game, but we just don't have the players to do it. Yeah, we didn't have the horses, and you kind of struggle. And to their credit, they've still found a way somehow, even with some of those issues of not really being able to do what they want to do offensively. They've still found themselves at 7-3 and three right now here heading into game 11. But I think it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors there. Uh, with, at the running back position, you touched on Benny Snell there. Um, he's he's the big physical back. They run him a ton in the Wildcat, right? Yeah. I mean, that's in, in the last year, they, they, they featured the Wildcat. I, I would say they ran upwards near 50% of their plays from the Wildcat against us last year. Uh, and they've done that a couple of games as well. It wasn't like they just unveiled it against us last year. It's still a major part of their offense. They don't run, they don't run it quite as often as they did last year. But if what they did against us was any indication they had success with it, I would not be surprised to see some heavy wildcat looks with Benny Snell back there, just pounding and waking three, four yards at a time, and uh, and and move. And it's not, he's not the only guy they'll put back there. They'll put uh, a, yeah, they'll put Shaheen King and King. Saheem King, I have trouble saying his first name. Saheem, Saheem, we're gonna go with, but King is he's the yes. guy that's trying to take over for Boom Williams in that role, the kind of the, the thunder, yeah, lightning, the lightning role. Definitely a change of pace guy. Yeah, and but he hasn't been overly 
a do- he hasn't been a, an overly effective guy. He's got 300 yards rushing on the year, five yards a carry, but he clearly brings something different than Snell, right? Yeah, definitely. He's more of a shifty guy that tries to make you miss and get in space. Yeah, and he's got the explosive ability once he gets into space. They just, they don't really, Snell is their guy. He's the guy they want to pound you in submission with. They'll hit you with King a little bit to change the pace up. Uh, but he's not nearly as much of a part of this offense as Benny Snell is. And then you got Steven Johnson, right? How would you categorize Steven Johnson's ability to run the football if you're looking at them from a from a rushing offense perspective? Um, he doesn't have the best footwork. I mean, he's a big guy. He more or less um, he'll get some yards, but he's not going to be one, one of these uh, dual threat quarterbacks that's going to break a big run. Yeah, that's kind of how I, what I see when I watch Steven Johnson when I break break down their tape. He's certainly capable of running the football, and so you have to account for him in the run game. But the offense is not built around his ability to run. And that, that's a key difference there. Yes, you could call him a dual threat guy, I guess. But he's not like Lamar Jackson where they're building the offense around his, his ability to run. Uh, he does it just enough to keep you honest. He's averaging about eight carries a game. So, again, he's not a guy that's going to get 15, 20 carries a game. He does just enough to keep you honest. And I don't, they don't really have many designed runs. I've seen a few quarterback draws with him. But typically, he just has the option to pull it with running a true zone read where if he sees a guy crash on the back, he can pull it. But he just doesn't do it all that often. Like I said, eight carries a game on average. He's got 348 yards rushing on the year. So he's he's he could be a weapon in the run game, but he's not a guy that's a centerpiece of the rushing. That is definitely Benny Snell, first and foremost for them. All right, so that's their rushing attack, Kurt. That's clearly what they want to hit you with first and foremost. But you can't completely ignore the passing game. So Steven Johnson, from a passing perspective, Kurt, does he do much for you? No, not at all. He's average. Yeah, I, th- I think that's... He, has, he doesn't have strong, he doesn't have arm strength. I mean, he's not the most accurate guy. I mean, he's just he's just average. Yeah, he doesn't do anything to kill him, but I think average is the right word. I mean, 10 touchdowns to 4 picks on the year, throwing for 180 yards a game. Uh, so I, those are average numbers, right? It's average as grits, as I like to say. Um, and he, But he, I will say, to give him some credit, he's an efficient quarterback. Would you agree with that? I mean, yeah, I'd be say efficient, but I mean, I mean he's... He's not a game manager, but he—he's he, just not there yet. But I mean, he does enough to make an impact. Yeah, I'd say he's efficient, but not dynamic. Does that make sense? I think that's yeah, that's, I that's how I would categorize him. I mean, he's got sixty—he's completing sixty-two percent of his passes on the year. Uh, but like I said, only ten touchdowns to four picks. I mean, that's a solid touchdown interception ratio—a little more than two to one there. But ten touchdowns—that's not going to do much. One hundred eighty yards a game. So uh, yeah, I think he's an efficient guy. But their passing game is not what they want to rely on. Like I said, they look they they do look different from us formationally, but they're very similar to what we want to do offensively from a philosophical standpoint. But their passing game, it's the numbers just aren't there they're, to to suggest they're really going to threaten us too much through the air. I mean, the S and P numbers, uh, S and P passing offense, they're 83rd nationally. They're 93rd nationally with 192 yards passing a game. They're actually 12th in the SEC in explosive passing plays of 30 yards or more. They've only got 10 plays of 30 yards or more. Can you compare that to our defense? We're 8th nationally in S&P passing defense. We're 11th nationally in passing yards allowed per game. Uh, I'm sorry, passing yards per 10, I should say. And we're 4th in explosive passing plays allowed. We've only allowed 11 on the year. So just like with the rushing numbers, you know, go back to that real quick. They're 83rd in S&P rush. We're 6th nationally in S&P rush defense. They're, they're 61st nationally in yards per rush. We're 15th nationally in yards per rush allowed. Uh, so in their power success rate, they're 64th nationally. We're 8th nationally. So this is, I mean, if you look at this entire Kentucky offense, is there a matchup 
across the board anywhere that they might have an advantage over us? No, not at all. There's no advantage at any one spot. The one I I would tend to agree with you. The one thing I, I want to just I'm asking your opinion on this one here. They're wide receivers. They have some bigger dudes now. Juice Johnson is their number one go-to guy. He's only 5'11", 175. He's, but he's the clear go-to guy. 42 catches, 464 yards on the year, 11 yards a catch. Outside of him, they have no one with more than 16 catches on the year. But the, the other guys out there, Blake Bone, Taven Richardson, those guys are 6'3", and, or Blake Bone 6'5", and Taven Richardson 6'3". And you got C.J. Conrad, who's a really good tight end. So they have some size at receiver outside of Juice Johnson. Does that give you any concerns at all matching up with some of our corners? Um, it does if Malcolm Parrish is playing. Yeah, exactly. So I think, do you think they're going to try to exploit that? We've seen that happen many times. Uh, they might try to exploit it, but they're not a passing team, so I don't know how much we'll have to go into diamond nickel because when we are usually in diamond nickel right now, Parrish is playing, but when we're not, we're in a base system. We've been replacing him with Aaron Davis. Yeah. So it would be a better matchup for those guys. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see how we come out attacking them. We're going to be more in that base because they do like to run the football, with, with uh, and then we'll have Davis out there at corner, which could be a, a better matchup for us against some of these taller receivers. It'll be interesting. I do want to mention C.J. Conrad real quick before we move on to, their, to the Kentucky defense. This guy is a legit tight end. He's only got 15 catches for 279 yards in the year, but this guy is legit. He looks and plays a lot like Gronk, man, like, like uh, Rob Gronkowski from the Patriots. And I'm not saying he's Rob Gronkowski. He's not, but his style of play, his ability to, to kind of spread to spread out and play in line, he looks a lot like Gronkowski, and he's a really good player. They don't use him near enough, in my opinion. If, if, you, if we had a guy like that, man, you'd want to use him relatively consistently. They just don't get the ball that to him as often as I think they probably should. And one more guy to point out. He's a true freshman, a very electric true freshman, the centerpiece of their 2017 signing class, Lynn Bowden out of Ohio. They stole him out of Ohio. Uh, Mark Stoops uses Ohio connections there to, to, to get this guy. And he's a, he's a small jitterbug-type guy at receiver, but he does a lot of different things. He's a return man. He's great there. He's got as a receiver, he's got 13 catches for 207 yards on the year. He's a really good return man, averaging 25 yards per kick return. But here's one thing to watch out for: stick this in your back pocket. He played. He's a former high school quarterback. Played some high school quarterback, kind of like Miko did, just getting the ball and just running around doing things. But he's got the ability to throw the football. He's thrown the ball three times on the year with some trick plays, and he's three for three and averaging 30 yards per completion. So just keep that in your back pocket. It's, a, it's against still a top-10-ranked defense or top-10-ranked team overall. I would not be shocked to see them try to use some trickeration with Lynn Bowden back there. He's a very electric freshman, got a very uh, interesting skill set there, can do a lot of different things. So just watch out for that. Uh, in, in terms of protecting the quarterback, they're not very good. They're 84th national adjusted sack rate. So maybe this is a team, even though that we're not a good pass rushing team, we don't, I honestly don't think that we really – try to get after the passer that much. We don't just pin our ears back and rush the passer. But we might have some time, have, have, an, have a chance to get to Steven Johnson and force him into, into some mistakes and some bad throws there because they just don't do a great job overall of protecting him there. All right, let's move on to the Kentucky defense, Kurt. All right, I'm going to do another quick blind resume here, man. Quick blind resume for you. Kentucky defense. All right, so we're going to start with this. Uh, eighth in yards. So team A is eighth in yards per play. They are 83rd nationally in S&P rushing defense, 75th nationally in S&P passing defense, all right? Uh, then you've got Team B's ninth in yards per play, ninth in the SEC, I should say. These are all SEC teams. Ninth in the SEC in yards per play, 111th nationally in S&P rushing uh, defense, and 17th nationally in S&P passing defense. Then we got Team C, that's eighth in the SEC in yards per play, 29th 
in S&P plus rushing defense and 48th in S&P passing defense. And then Team D is 10th in the SEC in yards per play allowed, 86th in S&P rushing defense, and 87th in S&P passing defense. Kurt, identify Kentucky for me. Team A, B, C, or D? I'll probably go B. B? Ninth, yeah. ninth in yards per play, 111th in S&P rushing. It's a good guess. It's That's actually Vanderbilt. Kentucky is, again, Team D here. The only stat category where they're not the worst team of those four, in Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Florida, is S&P rushing defense. Vanderbilt is 111th in S&P rushing. Kentucky's 86th. In every other category I just mentioned, Kentucky is worse than Missouri defensively, worse than Vanderbilt defensively, and worse than Florida defensively. And Curtis, I did not just randomly choose Missouri, Vanderbilt, Florida. What do all three of those teams have in common? They have no defense. They have no defense, and we put up at least 40 points in all three of those defenses, correct? Yeah. Just completely did whatever you want against them. Well, guys, Kentucky is worse than all three of those defenses, at least statistically speaking. So if we were able to put 40-plus points up on Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Florida, I don't see any reason why we should not be able to do the same against Kentucky, right? Yeah. All right, so with that said, I mean, I want to dig, I mean that kind of says it all there against Kentucky. Well, if you're looking at this defense, though, is there anything that they do well? Is there any player out there that kind of gives you a little bit of concern heading into this matchup? I mean, in the passing game, you always got to watch out for Mike Edwards. Yeah, you, I, I definitely agree there. Another guy I want to look at in their secondary is Chris, Chris Westry. I think he's probably their best cover guy. If I had to pick one guy, he's got he's he's got he's got great length. He's long, six four, about one hundred ninety five pounds. But the thing is, like, yeah, he's he got great length. He's got ideal length that you would want at that position. But he doesn't play the ball that well in the air. He kind of loses the ball. It seems like tracking it in the air. It just doesn't play as long as he is. He doesn't really change direction well. So uh, while they consider him their best cover guy, I really think we can beat him on double moves. Because he just does not change direction that well, and that's, and that, that's typical of a guy that's got that size at corner, six foot four. You don't know move the hips as well uh, as some of the smaller guys do. Uh, I guess a linebacker. I, I mean, the best player I think on their defense. If I had to pick one guy who's the best player over on the defense, is probably oh, I don't know, man. I guess I would say Jordan Jones at linebacker. Yeah, that's who I'd say. <clears throat> yeah. Was their alpha male. yeah, he's probably their alpha male there. He missed he missed some time earlier in the year, but he's. I guess he's a poor man's Roquan Smith. He's like their version of Roquan, a sideline to sideline guy, a really athletic linebacker that has the ability to rush a passer, run sideline to sideline, play in space, cover guys, pretty good tackler. But he's not Roquan Smith. Let's not get him confused with Roquan. I mean, I guess he's just that type of linebacker. He's their version of Roquan, but not even close to what Roquan is. Uh, One thing I would say about this defense, just based on what we saw last week, I mean, with Auburn just completely exposing us, Rushing the passer, right? Offensive line just looked completely overmatched. They do a decent job, actually a pretty good job rushing the passer. There's one thing they do well. They get after their passer. They're 29th nationally in adjusted sack rate. And they got two guys, Josh Allen and Denzel Ware. Josh Allen has seven sacks on the year, and he's like an, like an out, hybrid outside linebacking type rush end, uh, where Denzel Ware's more like a, I guess he's more like a five technique guy, almost like a true four three defensive end in a way, but they play him on the edge there. And he's got six and a half ta- or six and a half sacks on the year. So those two guys, you gotta watch out for, especially considering how many how many how much trouble we had defending the, the those elite pass rushers that Auburn has. And I know Josh Allen and Denzel Ware aren't they're not Jeff Holland, okay? They're not the, that type of player, but they're still pretty good guys. And we showed some weaknesses there, so that's one thing to definitely watch out for in this game. That's one thing they do pretty well defensively. But I mean. Going back to what I laid out with those numbers, Curtis, with Missouri, Vermont, Florida, how Kentucky has essentially worse stats almost across the board, except for that one category uh, with Vanderbilt there. 
the, the reason I brought that up is because I wanted to point out to everyone out there that Kentucky is much more like the defenses we were able to physically dominate, the Missouris, the Vanderbilts, the Floridas. They're much closer to that than they are to Auburn, right? They're not even close to Auburn. So I know people are upset about our offensive performance last week, and understandably so, but this Kentucky defense is not that, right? No. Not even at all. So with that in mind, what type of game plan do you expect us to put out there offensively? What do you? How do you expect Jim Cheney to attack this Kentucky defense? Um, I think we're trying to go into the air more often. I mean, um, you, uh, especially with who, what we've been the last couple weeks, we're going to try to set out and stop the run to make this one-dimensional. So I think us, I, I could imagine us trying to attack them with the pass and uh, use that to open up the run. I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I mean, on one hand, I see what you're saying there because Cheney's taking a lot of heat about not throwing the ball enough and not having the passing game prepared for a matchup against Auburn. We had to throw the ball a little bit more, uh, and I was up here ripping him for not throwing the ball more on first, second down. So I wouldn't be surprised at all, like you said, to see him open the playbook up a little bit more and attack him through the air. And they, they don't do a great job defending the pass, so I think that would be successful, uh, a, a successful way to attack them. But I honestly also would not be surprised to see the other thing. I wouldn't be surprised to see us come out and pound the football to get some calmness back in the offensive line in the running game and then hit him over the top. But honestly, it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, we should be able to do whatever we want, right? Yeah, we should. I mean, against this defense, we should honestly be able to do whatever we want and should move the ball. If we don't, uh, it might be time to have some, I don't want to say panic, but to be very concerned if we have some trouble against this Kentucky defense. I know Auburn's one thing. That's a very good defense. I mean, in my opinion, that's a top 10 caliber defense. This Kentucky defense, not so much. I mean, I, I know we had issues last week, but we should get back to what we're doing against the Vanderbilt's and the Tennessee's and the Florida's and the uh, and Missouri's of the world. We absolutely 100% should. There's no reason why we should not at this point. All right, Kerr, let's move on to a key to the game here, Kerr. If you're looking at this game, what is one big key that you're going to highlight? Both line of scrimmage. How, both sides of the ball or one side in particular? I would say both sides of the ball. I mean, if we're going to try to run, we're going to have to control their line of scrimmage. But especially with what they want to do, um, running the ball and being so physical, we are going to have to control the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's that's the key to, to us almost every game, though, right? I mean, we for us to be successful offensively, we need to control line of scrimmage. So we've had success the first nine weeks, and we just faced a, a borderline elite or at least a top-shelf defensive front, and it uh, didn't work out so well last that last week. So, But, again, this is not that caliber defensive front. Kentucky just – they don't have the horses to do that kind of thing to us. For me, my big key to the game here is simply just to get off to a fast start. I know that sounds simplistic, but I really think it's important in this game. I think you want to take the wind out of their sails early, entirely disabuse Kentucky of the notion that they have some sort of a chance to come in here and upset us and get that signature win that Mark Stoops has been searching for since I guess really he arrived in Lexington. Still haven't gotten it. He's had some good teams, still hasn't really gotten that signature win, so he's still hunting for that. So let's Take them out of the game early and just completely disabuse them of the notion that this is going to be that signature win. Because if we let them hang early, I think there's a possibility that some of those little doubts that the beatdown at Auburn probably put in our players' minds, some of those little doubts all of a sudden start to grow larger if we let them hang early and they have some success and we're struggling a little bit. We get tight, and, and in that situation, anything can happen. But if if we come out firing early and have some success... We can kind of regain that confidence, regain that smarter that we played with through the first nine games of the year. Now, I fully expect, I do fully expect us to come out swinging and playing with swagger. I really do. I think this team made the right stuff, like Kirby said, and they're going to respond accordingly. But even though I do expect us to come out swinging and playing with a lot of swagger, I think it's going to be a, a little bit of maybe some tenuous swagger and confidence. That early success will bolster. If we have that early success, we kind of build on that. If, if we come out swinging and then uh, things don't go that well, we might those doubts start creeping back into the forefront of your mind 
and you start to play tight and crazy things happen with situations like that. So I think it's really important for us to come off, come out, get off to a fast start and kind of get that confidence, that swagger back and get rolling like we have through most of the season. All right, Kurt, well, let's go ahead and move into our picks of the week segment here, all right? We're going to start off as we always do with our SEC games. Honestly, man, the schedule this week, have you taken a look at the overall college football schedule this week? It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, man. We had last week was incredible, man. All the games sandwiched in there, and actually, really, the past couple weeks have had some good games, but this week does not look good at all. And what I think is probably the best matchup uh, of the entire weekend. You've got uh, Michigan traveling to ha- to uh, Camp Randall to take on Wisconsin. You would think that'd be the prime time game but for whatever freaking stupid reason. ESPN, ABC is putting that on at noon. <laughs> I don't quite get that, man. I don't, I don't Whatever. It's just a kind of uninspiring slate of games here. But we'll go ahead and pick some anyway here. Only got two more regular season weeks left. God, that sucks to say. But it is reality. And quickly, just to recap where we are on the year with our picks. Kurt, you got me still by a game straight up. You're 63-17 and 17 on the year. I am 62-18. and 18. I got you by a couple still uh, against the spread. We both had 6-3 and three weeks against the spread last week. So you have moved up to 33 and 32 against the spread on the year, and I am sitting at 43 and 22. All right, starting the SEC, we got Mississippi State, fresh off a, a heartbreaking loss. Almost had that against Alabama. They're traveling to Arkansas. Kurt, Arkansas is a 12 point favorite in this game. How do you see this one playing out? Against Mississippi State. Yeah, Mississippi State and Arkansas. Uh, Mississippi State's going to win. I mean, clearly they're going to win, right? But do they cover the 12? Oh, you said Arkansas was a 12-point favorite. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm State sorry. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, just, I, I completely screwed that up. Mississippi State is a 12-point favorite yeah, Mississippi on State the road. covers easily. Yeah, Mississippi State. I, I, I still stand by my statement earlier in the year. I think Arkansas is probably the worst team in the league. I really believe that. And I think that Mississippi State is probably the fourth best team in the league. I mean, real honest, I think probably you got Bama, us, and Auburn. And then you got Mississippi State and LSU fighting out there for that fourth spot. And Mississippi State destroyed LSU. So I'm going to go Mississippi State's probably the fourth best team in the league. Uh, yeah, Mississippi State easily wins this game. And I think they're going to cover it. Unfortunately, a lot of the picks are probably going to be that way this week because games just aren't that great. So I'm with you as well. Mississippi State wins. Mississippi State covers. It's a good football team. It's a solid football team. Arkansas is just, they're a trainer. They're not good. They're not good at all. Uh, All right, next one here. This might be a little more of an interesting game. Uh, The spread's at least tight. The Texas A&M Aggies are traveling to Oxford, Mississippi to take on the Ole Miss Rebels. Ole Miss is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, at least when I pulled up the lines they were. So, Kurt, can Ole Miss actually win a a game against a solid opponent here? No, I think I'm going to go with A&M. All right, A&M straight up, and A&M, I'm guessing, covered the spread as well, right? Clearly, if you're picking them straight up. Yeah, ah, man, I, I I, really, this has been the case for me all season a little bit. That offense is good. They're the best receiving core in the, in the, in the entire SEC and one of the best receiving, receiving cores in the nation. I, I really believe that. And Tayamu's come in there for Shea Patterson. And what is, he's put up 300-plus yards in his first three starts with them. And one of the, I think only four teams, I think that's the stat I read, to have two quarterbacks throw for 300-plus yards in the same year in consecutive games. So he's balling out, man. And that, that offense is just humming. But I have no faith in that Ole Miss defense. I have absolutely no faith. They beat Louisiana Lafayette last week. They gave almost 450 yards total offense to Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, they score 50 points, but they gave up 450 yards to Louisiana Lafayette. A&M, I know they've had some kind of musical chairs going on at the quarterback position, but Nick Starkle seems to 
provided some sort of stability there. He's definitely the better option, at least from a passing perspective. Kellen Mond's seeing some, still seeing some time. I think A&M overall, if you look at offense plus defense here, they're better defensively. They're not going to stop Ole Miss, but I think A&M is going to score more points. I think it's going to be a tight game, uh, but I'm with you. I got A&M to win and cover the spread here as well. Uh, this is a no-brainer. I mean, it should be right in terms of this next game, in terms of who's going to win. LSU traveling to Knoxville, take on the uh, Butch Jones list, Tennessee Volunteers. So, I mean, LSU wins that game, right? Oh, yeah. Right. But it's a 16.5-point spread. LSU's a 16.5-point favorite on the road in Knoxville. Do they cover this 16.5? No. God, dude, I thought you would say yes. Uh, I agree, man. Uh, I, I'm going UT on the spread. That's a lot of points. LSU, yes, they are a clearly better football team. But this is not an offensive juggernaut. They're not going to – they just don't score a ton of points. And I could see this being a scenario where Tennessee comes out playing with a lot of emotion after the firing of Butch Jones. Uh, I don't think that it's going to be enough to win the football game. I think it's enough to keep it close enough to cover that 16.5-point spread. So I'm going LSU to win, Tennessee to cut. Well – if Garantano's playing, I feel comfortable saying they're going to cover the spread. But if Garantano's not playing, mm, I don't know. I guess we'll have to end up seeing what, what happens there. Uh, next game here in the SEC, the very much resurgent Missouri Tigers. They're looking a lot like the team I thought they would be at the beginning of the year when I pre- predicted them to be a 9-win team. I think they're going to end up being a 7-win team, but not quite getting that 9-win mark. They're, looking, they're definitely looking a lot more like what I thought they would look like. But they're traveling to Nashville to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Missouri's a nine-point favorite, man. They were a big favorite against Tennessee last week, and they actually ended up covering that spread easily. Do they cover the nine points at Vanderbilt? Yeah. So you got them to win and cover? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, Missouri, This I'm telling you, this is a dangerous football team. I, I'll tell you what, I'm glad we got them when we got them because this team, this offense has figured it out, and they are humming. The defense is still not great, but they're a lot better than what they were. Uh, Dave Owens done a really good job kind of right, you know, Riding the ship somewhat here. This team is going to make a bowl. If they beat Vanderbilt, they're going to a bowl. And they're going to beat Vanderbilt. They got Arkansas last week of the season. They're going to beat Arkansas. They're going to have seven wins. I'm telling you right now. Drew Locke is the real deal. And I hope to God Drew Locke goes pro. I do not want to see him back next year, man. Traveling to Missouri to play them. Drew Locke is a senior. Mm, No, I don't want that. So let's hope he plays really well and and he decides to declare for the draft. Uh, All right. Now let's get outside the SEC footprint here for a couple games. Again, it's slim picking. So. Some weird games here, but we're going to go with it anyway. UCLA is traveling just down the road to take on the Southern California Trojans, who are a 16-point home favorite. I mean, USC wins, right? Yeah. Do they cover the 16, though? Um, I think they do because I think UCLA's defense is just that bad right now. Well, I mean, UCLA's got a problem. They can't run the football, and they can't stop the run. That is a terrible recipe. Yes, you got Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen's going to be a high draft pick next year in the NFL draft, sure. But you can't run. You can't stop the run. That's a recipe for disaster. UCLA is terrible on defense. I think Ronald Jones is going to run absolutely wild for USC. Sam Darnold's going to do his thing, but I think Jones is going to have his way with that that UCLA defense. I definitely have USC winning at the 16, man. That's a lot of points. And I know it's, I don't like to usually I don't like to give up that many points in a rivalry game like this, but UCLA's defense is just that bad. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go USC also to cover here, man. I'm with you. All right, this next game, you guys are going to be like, why is this even including the game? Obviously, Miami's going to win. But the spread is interesting to me here. Virginia, Curtis, Virginia, not Virginia Tech, Virginia. The Cavaliers are traveling to, to Miami Beach to take on Marquardt's Hurricanes. Miami's a 19.5-point favorite. 
Miami wins, right? But do they cover the 19 and a half? I don't think they do. I mean, this is a Virginia team that beat Georgia Tech. Yeah, Virginia's a solid team. I mean, it's a 6 and 14. They are not a bad football team at all. I'm with you. I do not like agreeing with you every pick here, it seems like. But I, I, I think despite the blowout of Notre Dame, Miami is still not a dominant team. That blowout of Notre Dame was the anomaly on this season. Think about all the other games, the Tech game, the Florida State game, the North Carolina game, a terrible North Carolina team. So many close games against inferior opponents. Yes, they blew out Notre Dame, but that was a lot like our game against Auburn last week where things just kind of snowballed us. Things went wrong early. They, Miami played their A game. Auburn played their A game. Notre Dame played a, a D-level game. We played a D-level game. Uh, we, they, Notre Dame made a bunch of mistakes just like we did that they don't normally make and Miami capitalize on to their credit but Miami I still don't think is a dominant team they are a good team do not get me wrong they are good and they are undefeated but they're not a dominant team I think Notre Dame was that perfect storm big crowd big build up coming to the game early success Notre Dame making uncharacteristic mistakes and they are kind of got taken out of, their, out of the game out of their game early which is to run the football and they just couldn't do that because they were got so far behind I think Virginia is good enough to keep this game close I'm telling you though I'm not completely – I mean, there's not much of a chance here. I'm not completely ruling out the the, the chance for an upset here. Miami, those fans are, are – it's an event town, right? So when you have a big event like Notre Dame coming to town, everyone shows up. Miami's really good. But this game early on in the day, I, that stadium is not going to be full. The crowd's going to be kind of just kind of just going through the motions. And I this is a Mark Rick coach team. I love Mark Rick. But how many times did our team – after big wins, come out the next week and just go through the motions. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Plenty of times. So I would not be surprised if Miami come out and just go through the motions. And I'm not sure they're good enough or dominant enough to just go through the motions and just roll their hat out there and beat Virginia. I think Miami wins. I do. But there's a, a, a slim chance that Virginia – I would not be completely 1,000% stunned if Virginia won this game just because of the setup and where it is. Now, Miami's the better team. But I I, I don't think Miami's going to win. I, I think they're going to win, but I don't think they're going to cover – uh, but just keep your eye on that one, just for a, maybe at least early in that game. Uh, next one here, we've got. I mean, this game doesn't really matter except for the fact that we're playing them next week. So we're going to go Georgia Tech traveling to Durham, North Carolina to take on the Duke Blue Devils. Tech is a six and a half point favorite right now, Kurt. So you taking the Jackets? Yeah. All right, GT to win. They cover the six and a half. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Duke has, you know, Cutcliffe's done a really good job there. They're not a very good football team this year. Davey Jones is a good quarterback, but he hasn't had a great year. He had a really good freshman year. He just hadn't built much off that. I think Tech's going to be a little too much to stop offensively for, for Duke here. Uh, so I like Tech, and I like I don't like Tech, but they're going to win this game. And uh, they're going to cover that spread. Under a touchdown, yeah, cover it. And then the last one here, the big, what I think is the biggest game of the weekend outside of our game, of course, would be... The Michigan Wolverines traveling to Camp Randall to take on Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a seven and a half point favorite here, Kurt. Who do you see winning this one? I'm a glad old lady to say Michigan. Ooh, Michigan. Michigan wins and Michigan covers. Ah oh, man. I thought I would have an, I thought I have one on you here. I guess not. Look, this is two top three defenses nationally. Wisconsin's offense has been better than Michigan's, but they're still very similar teams. They both want to run the football. The quarterback do just enough to, to keep teams honest, have the quarterback run the show, and then play great defense. I am really pulling for Michigan in this one to bolster our playoff hopes. And here's put this, you know, think about this. Wisconsin's only thrown for over 200 yards one time since week three. And that's that means they've only thrown them for over 200 yards one time in Big Ten play. You cannot be that one-dimensional against Michigan. You simply cannot do it. 
Jim Harbaugh is a good coach. We, and we all like to make fun of him, but he's a good coach. And he's going to have his team ready. He wants to kind of redeem himself after, after that loss to Penn State, that blowout loss to Penn State. I'm with you, man. I got Michigan upsetting. Maybe this is wishful thinking. I don't know. Wisconsin's a good team. I mean, they're a great team, but they're good. But I have Michigan by virtue of Wisconsin just being too one-dimensional. Um, Michigan, they do a really good job stopping teams that are one-dimensional like that. Penn State, the reason I have so much trouble with Penn State is they're a pretty balanced offense. They can do it all. But Wisconsin's not exactly the same. I think Jim Harbaugh doesn't have his team ready. Michigan upsets Wisconsin and puts us one step closer of still having some hopes to sneak into the college football playoffs there. All right, guys. Well, that does it for our picks, and that does it for the show here today. We always appreciate you guys listening. We absolutely 100% do. Appreciate all the support out there. Hopefully we can get back on the winning track this week. I fully expect us to. Um, real quicker before we get out of here, uh, prediction for our game real fast, my man. 21.5-point uh, fa- favorite? 31 to 10. 31 10 dogs. So right there at the at the at the line essentially. So you have us. What numbers I'm looking at right now? It has us at 21 and a half. So you have us just barely falling short of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, you guys know if if you listen to the show, you know I don't pick our games. I just can't. If I don't have it in me to ever pick against. It's not my DNA. So if you're new, I go to the confidence meter which is a scale of 1 to 10, I predict how confident I am we're going to win this game. And I have my confidence meter firmly at an 8 for this game. As we laid out throughout the show, this Kentucky team is just not very good. I know their record says they're a solid team that we should respect. And I, I guess we should always respect every team we play. But they're, if you really watch this team play and you didn't know what their record was, you would not guess they are 7-3. and three. Like I laid out in those blind resumes, they have significantly worse stats than teams that have worse records than them, like Purdue, like Southern Miss, like Utah. They just statistically they're not a very good football team and when you actually watch them play I broke down their tape all this week they just don't look like a 7-3 team they don't have the players we do they don't do not have anywhere close to the talent now they know they know who they are they know what they want to be they want to run the football but they don't do a particularly good job at it again like like Curtis and I were saying earlier it in a lot of ways it's a it's a mirror it's not looking in the mirror of what we were last year where we knew we wanted to run the football and be a power rushing team we just weren't that good at because we didn't have the players to do it that's kind of what Kentucky the situation that Kentucky is in this year. So I absolutely 100% think that we're going to get back on track. Our team is going to respond. We have the right kind of guys on this team. We are clearly the better, more talented football team. We're at home, 330. Got the CBS spotlight on us here. And we're going to get this train back on the tracks. And we're going to head into into hate week against Tech. Ready to go, man. We'll be 10-1. and one. I'm predicting right now heading into, the, into hate week. And then hopefully, if God, please, please God, do not ever let us lose sports Tech again. We beat them, heading to the SEC title game with everything on the line there, guys. So it should be fun. Thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, go dogs. <laughs>